For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts. At the age of 20, Robert Meikle has had more to put up with in his short life than most have had in a whole lifetime. From coping with the death of his mother to being bullied about his sexuality, all whilst facing the possibility of losing his sight, Robert has always believed that it's his positive attitude that has gotten through the difficult times. And Robert joins me now to tell us his incredible story. Robert, thank you so much for joining us here at RNIV Connect Radio today. Now, tell us a bit about your eye condition. I have two eye conditions. Um, the first one would be anodidia. That's the, the, the more rare of the two. Um, and that is centred around the cornea. Basically, the stem cells in the cornea deteriorate over time, which results in spots in the vision um, disappearing. It's very, very gradual, though, so you don't notice it at first, and it can go on for quite a while before um, you notice anything different, which can lead in quite a bit of sight deterioration um, that's irreparable. And what about the second condition? The second condition is glaucoma. Um, That is more common, as you would know. Quite a lot of people that are visually impaired and blind um, suffer from glaucoma, um, and that's pressure within the eyes. Again, that can cause for um, deterioration in the vision, and again, it's quite difficult to diagnose. So again, the the further that goes on, the more sight um, is lost, and of course, is irreparable as a result. Now, Robert, you're only 20. You have got some story behind you. You really do. I mean, a lot has happened in your very short life so far. Did you always know that you had an eye condition? No, actually, um, I didn't. Um, it was only first discovered uh, when I was 13. The sight that I had lost before then, of course, as I've said, uh, was irreparable. It was discovered, uh, I think it was Spanish, actually, the class that I was in. Um, I'd noticed that I couldn't actually see any of the rating on the board. And I'd noticed that I hadn't been able to see any of the rating on the board in the other classes. And textbook rating um, had become more difficult to see and eventually um, I had mentioned to my gran who I was living with at the time and she had asked me to kind of read through some of the the pages in my textbook and by that point I couldn't see anything at all. Now that must have been absolutely terrifying because as you say you were living with your gran and the reason you were living with your gran because very sadly your mother passed away very very quickly didn't she when you were only 12? Yeah Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately my Mum had, I, th- I believe, I believe it was cancer, and um, what actually had killed her was um, blood infection. So she she passed away quicker than she maybe should have. I think that was that was August of two thousand eight. So it was actually it was before um, I had started secondary school. It was before I was meant to go into first year, and I actually had to take the first week off. Um, in first year to attend a funeral on the Friday. So the, of course that's quite. Um, upsetting. So yeah, I had to, I had to move from the the house that I lived with my mom and dad, um, and because well, my father at the time, um, of course, was suffering quite greatly with grief, um, and he himself suffers from the same conditions that I do, anodidia and glaucoma. So he doesn't have much say himself, um, and it was kind of stated that maybe he wouldn't be so capable of looking after three children. I have two younger brothers. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it just a very difficult situation, especially if you are um, transitioning from primary school to secondary school, you know, you're becoming a teenager and to be faced with that kind of 
situation it's not it's not ideal really how, yeah. how did you cope at school Robert because you know your mum had sadly passed away your dad couldn't cope and and you went to live with your grandmother uh, you're starting a new school a new term you then find out that you know you've got these two eye conditions your sight's going I mean how did people at school react how did the other kids at school were they good with you or did they bully you no, um, my school experience um, is a very poor one, actually. Um, you know, I don't, not not to be full of self pity or nothing. To be honest, I'm actually more of a, a kind of positive person. Um, but as I say, I started in the second week of the school term. My teacher at the time had said to the class that Robert's starting um, a week late for reasons that I'm unwilling to discuss. But he will discuss with you if he feels that he can. Um, which of course caused for many questions that I wasn't willing to answer at the time. You know, at the age of, um, well, actually, I would have been 12 at the time. So at the age of 12, I didn't have the right kind of mentality to be able to sit there and explain to people that I had just lost my mum at the time. You know, it just it wasn't it wasn't ideal, um, which again caused for me to be more kind of segregated. It caused for me to be more isolated. I wasn't willing to to speak to people because that week, that, that really was what it was concerned about. And of course, children at that age kind of tend to stick with certain things. You know, they kind of pick at certain things and that will just continue until they get what they want from it, which, again, it just grew and grew and grew. And of course, there was then bullying as a result. Now, you were living with your grandmother, as you said, and, yeah. and it was your mother's mother. Uh, your your grandmother found it very, very difficult to cope as well, didn't she? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just your father and your, your brothers, it was your grandmother as well. And unfortunately, she took to drinking, didn't yeah. she? Mm-hmm. See, the, the thing is, my mum was the light of every social occasion. If anything was going on, my mum knew about it and she was involved. And that was from anything from parties to charity events, anything anything you could have had on, she was there because she was essentially the soul of the party. Um, and everybody everybody wanted to be with her and everybody wanted to be her friend. So when you lose somebody like that, you find that a lot of people have found that they've lost something that they didn't necessarily think they would ever lose. And, you know, they thought it was always going to be there. So, of course, my gran, to lose your child, that in itself is something that, you know, as I say, I don't think she ever thought that would happen. I think in her effort to find something to to fill that void, she did kind of take to a Friday night where she would say that this is my time and, you know, she would have, she would have a drink and then that turned into, you know, Friday, Saturday and then it just developed into, you know, more time was kind of concentrated on filling that void with alcohol essentially than anything else so yeah it became a problem I would say definitely and and meanwhile you're 12 years old you're coping with so much yourself as we've discussed yeah uh, you were also having to effectively bring up your your two younger brothers how old were they nine and seven and how have they coped since losing your mum and with everything else that that went with that very very badly. Um, I would say that the youngest, um, he had the least amount of consciousness at the time, um, you know, of the situation. Um, of course, there was grief, but I don't believe that he quite understood until he was a wee bit older. If you know, like he, he didn't quite understand the loss that he had faced until he was a wee bit older. And I think, you know, at the time, especially with him being in primary school, um, 
you know, there was a lot of questions centered around why I wasn't there the first week, you know, and actually a really good thing was um, on the day of my mum's funeral, um, there was teachers that I had from primary school that had come to the, because the, the chapel was only about five minutes away from the previous school, um, and they'd come round to kind of support me a bit with that, um, which was quite nice. That was quite nice of them to do that. And I think that allowed for them to be supported with that more than I maybe would have been um, at secondary school, but he faced quite a bit of difficulty, uh, obviously with the loss and then with, with dealing with the loss at school and things like that um, afterwards. So, And I think that, that developed on because afterwards... Um, as he got older, he kind of fell into the wrong crowd. He kind of got older around about the age of 13, he kind of fell into the wrong crowd, you know, when he was going into first year. Um, as we discussed, you know, first year is quite a, a difficult period. Um, and yeah, he kind of fell into the wrong crowd. And now he's kind of, he's been down a kind of very dark path. Um, again, with underage drinking, you know, stuff like that. It's more kind of centred around, certainly the wrong path to go down. It just sounds like so many families that lose the head of the family which essentially you know for for a lot of people is the mother the mother is almost like the glue the bonds the rest of the family together and i know that the you know my family pretty much deteriorated when my mother died um and i think it's because as you say when somebody's the life and soul and dealing with everything and she's the first one that you turn to and you you kind of um you, you you don't think you're ever going to lose that person, like you say, but then you kind of forget, you know, at the time. Um, and, and while they're there, you don't realise just how much they do for you and how much they mean to you. And, and you know, I've seen so many people that have lost the mother in the family and, and everybody's just crumbled and fallen apart. Yeah, of course, you know, you lose the, if you lose the central glue um, to anything, it just falls apart. You know, I think that just stands for anything, really. Now, do you still keep in touch? Do you have much to do with your grandmother, your father, your brothers? Um, I don't have anything to do with my father. Unfortunately, that relationship's rather jagged. <laughs> I would say, you know, there's no, there's no real way to describe it. Um, but it's very silent. Um, I haven't contacted them in a number of years, um, and I don't expect to. And I <laughs> certainly not in the near future. And your brothers? And my my brothers, um, yeah, I, of course, um, they are quite central. Um, I like to keep in contact with them. We've established that you lost your mum and your mum was the central figure and the glue to the family. But, you know, you are so incredibly positive and hearing your story, nobody would blame you for, you know, absolutely hating the world. I mean, you have such a positive outlook and I know because I've known you for a while, you know, you're, you're inspirational. You really are in the, your outlook in life. But you must have your dark days, surely. From time to time, do you not just think, oh, you know, why me? Oh no, of course, you know, um, you face certain situations, you know, for example, employment. I'm currently trying to gain employment. And, you know, when you come in and out of interviews um, and you're constantly getting negative results or, you know, situations like that, you kind of, you get yourself a bit doing, but at the end of the day, you need to, life is always going to be continuous. You can never let yourself just drop. 
and you need to remember that there's always going to be there's always going to be an end to every dark tunnel. You just have to keep going, don't you? Yeah, sometimes you, you feel that the light at the end of that tunnel is is an oncoming train, but mm. actually, sometimes you get to the end of that tunnel and you realise it is actually sunlight, um, and that's what you have to hold on to. Yeah, can, can I just say though, um, of course, the the very dark tunnel. Um, being the the years between the age of 13 and 16 did end very positively for me. I am now in a long-term relationship with my partner and th- that was the brightest end to a tunnel that I have received. But I would actually go as far to say that it's my partner that actually holds me up at times and keeps me going with that positive. Well, do you know what? I was going to move on to your wonderful partner, Tony, because he has been a complete, you know, angel. But then, you know, he's very lucky to have you two. You're both very lucky to have each other. You're great guys. You really, really are. Um, but was it ever difficult for you with coping with your blindness and your mom and your gran and your dad and your brothers and everything that seems to have gone on in your life? And, um, you know, you, you're obviously gay as well. Did you ever face any backlash about that or any kind of negativity? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot that's happened, especially with school, you know. Um, going going through school um, was very difficult. As you know, a lot of people find it very, very difficult to understand sight loss. Um, you know, if, if you appear to be different in any way, um, people will target that or they may even ignore you for it. Um, which tends to be better than the alternative. Um, But of course, with being gay as well, um, a lot of people found it even more strange. So, you know, um, I kind of stepped out of the box further with that in regards to the norm. And to be honest, I feel glad and I feel more kind of, I feel more proud of myself that I didn't actually hide the fact that I was gay. Um, Unfortunately, I did hide the fact, well, I mostly hid the fact that I was very impaired, which might sound a bit strange, but I find that, you know, there was more, I don't know, I I, I felt more ashamed of the fact that I was visually impaired, and I kind of felt more aware of the fact that I was visually impaired than the fact that I was gay at the time. There was shame on both ends, but I I didn't hide the fact that I was gay. You know, um, the fact that I was visually impaired, I was very ashamed of, I didn't want anybody to know that. And of course, your partner, Tony, and, and his family have just completely enveloped you. I mean, you know, from, from going from a loving family to pretty much no family and then back into the arms of this family that, that just adore you now. Um, I mean, that must be an incredible feeling. What's amazing um, about Tony's family is that they wouldn't be the type of family that you would expect to invite you in with open arms. Hearing them in the distance, you might think they're not the kind of people that are going to accept somebody that is gay or somebody that's even visually impaired. Um, they tend to be quite loud. They tend to be... And that's that's the great thing about them, is they, they're very loud and very open. They, they discuss everything. And I think I was I was very educational for them. They, didn't, they had never really seen anybody or had to encounter somebody that was visually impaired. Um, before, so I I was kind of that that starting point for them in understanding that, um, and there was a lot of questions, and of course there was a lot of misunderstanding to begin with, but now they completely understand it and they're completely open to the fact that I'm visually impaired. There's no discrepancy or there's no stigma or anything with that. 
Well, do you know, it's so lovely that there's a happy ending to your story, Robert. There really is. And, and you know, I take my hat off to you and salute you, sir. You are one incredible young man, as is your partner, Tony. Um, now, what do you see for the future? Where would you like to see yourself? I know you are currently hoping for a guide dog and you're looking for employment. Yeah, um, you know, I had applied for a guide dog because the white cane um, wasn't really helping me as much as it had been beforehand. It still helps me incredibly, but... You know, there's a there's a lot of instances, especially at night with bleeding light and things like that, that um, I find quite difficult to navigate around certain barriers um, or objects in the, the street. Um, so that's that's the main reason why I've applied for get dogs, and I was also I would also love to have a dog. You know, um, looking at your guide dog Lucas, he's an amazing animal, um, and I would love to have one myself. With employment, first of all, I would like to go back to college at some point. I want to get involved in the creative industry. Something more maybe along the lines of fashion or indeed video. Um, something maybe in media. Um, I hope to start blogging and vlogging for both gay dogs and the Adnai Bee. Um, I've currently start, already started um, vlogging for the Adnai Bee with the hashtag How I See campaign. Um, which is a, a great campaign that they had um, on during the summer, which was to allow people to make videos and can explain how they see through their eye condition uh, or through their eyes with their eye condition. If anybody's interested in that, my videos are on Twitter and the Ad and IB have posted most of the videos on their YouTube channel and their website. You do so much in terms of voluntary work. You really do. I know you do stuff with RNIB. I know you do stuff with guide dogs. I know you've worked in past with drug rehabilitation. And, you know, Robert, honestly, I, I don't know where you get your strength and your courage from. And I know that when I was losing my sight, many people said to me, you're so brave, you're so brave. And I used to think, you know, but I'm so scared. Um, and it was then I learned myself, for myself, that, you know, true bravery is born out of true fear and sometimes when I have been at my most frightened that is when bravery is taken over and honestly I really admire your courage I really do and I'm so grateful for you coming in and sharing your story with us here on RNIB Connect Radio Well thank you <laughs> It's been a pleasure And best of luck with the future Robert Thank you <laughs> For more downloads like these visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts <laughs>